Welcome to this episode of Behind the Counter, The Beanery. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Adrian. And together we're spilling the beans. Today we're talking with Hayden Fobb, associate student pastor here at the Bayou Church who's doing great things in the student ministry. And my kids who are involved in the student ministry have really enjoyed um, having Hayden as part of the team. Same for our family. Um, My daughter has been a part of Student Sunday night as well as her internship that she recently completed for this semester. And I know that Hayden has played a tremendous and pivotal role in her looking forward to coming week after week. So I'm really excited to hear what Hayden has to say. So we're here with Hayden. Hayden, tell us a little bit more about yourself and what your title here is at the Bayou. Yeah, um, so my name is Hayden Fobb. Um, I've, I've grown up in Lafayette. Uh, this is my stomping grounds, my home. Um, we started going to the Bayou when I was in elementary school, um, and I've just slowly grown up through the ranks, through um, kids' ministry, through student ministry, um, through some semblance of college ministry, um, doing a lot of ministry at, at UL and BCM and things, um, and eventually just sort of naturally transitioned and progressed uh, back to my roots in student ministry, where I now serve as the associate student pastor alongside uh, Pastor Griff. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, really, I think a burning question we both have is, who's your favorite student at the... No, I'm kidding. Um, totally well, kidding. there's Johnny. a really long list of, of <laughs> least favorite um, <laughs> Just kidding. Those Laughlin kids probably made the list. Bentley is my favorite. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, And so tell us a little bit about like your personal life too. Um, We know you're married. So give us a little bit more into that. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm married. My lovely wife is named Callie. Um, Callie and I met in the Bayou Students. Uh, We met as interns way back in the day. Um, And I was actually just really good friends with her brother. And I was like, hey, yo, sister's kind of cute. And before we knew it, um, so we've been together now for almost eight years. Uh, we've been married for a year and some change, um, but together for eight. Um, I love movies. I love watching movies. I love running is my new recent hobby. I am an Enneagram 7 with ADHD, so I am oh. on to the next all the time. All the time. Um, and right now it's running, so I'm just, if you see me on Ambassador Kali Saloom, just don't hit me. Um, I would appreciate just avoiding getting run over. Um, but yeah, my lifestyle is like my life is a very sporadic place. There's always something new happening. There's always um, a new person involved, a new hobby. I know it probably sounds cliche, but like seriously, like I feel like our family is so blessed to be like in the church that we are in with the student ministry. Like I just love the way it works. So you guys are doing a fantastic job. Yeah, I think it's it fabulous. all comes down to um, is there cohesiveness within the team? Are we all on the same page, but right. our, our skills complement each other. Uh, so that's like the crucial first step. And then the second step is just like, what do what do we believe? And we believe that consistency builds culture. We believe that if we show up every day, other people will show up every day and a culture will build. Um, we believe that consistently good is better than occasionally great. If we can consistently show up and, mm-hmm. and do good, it's better than trying to put on a, a big event once a semester to draw people. No, they'll right. see our consistent showing up they'll see our consistent being there and that's what's going to make the biggest difference other than a giveaway that you could do or something like that yeah i agree our parties our first year of doing ministry together with the three of us actually um our lowest attended sunday nights were on our party nights so like we had a we had like a costume party around halloween Mm -hmm. and it was our lowest attended night of the semester we had a christmas party that that first year it was our lowest attended night of the semester Wow, so you're seeing higher numbers just yeah. with your average just, uh, every day. Because every day consistently Sunday. good is better than occasionally great. 
Wow. It's and crazy. how are you got like how is the attendance on like a, a what what are the numbers usually like on a Sunday night? It's good. Um, we're we on Sunday night we're somewhere around 150 students and mm-hmm. volunteers attending. Um, uh, just as everything else is in the world, there are there are waves and there are cycles. So when yeah, you get absolutely. to September or January, you know our numbers will average on average be higher. Um, and then there's a, a bit of a taper off towards the end of the year. And that's just how the statistics work. Right. Um, but I mean, really, I think where we where our big win is is that regardless of how many students show up, they are all in small groups and they all know that there's at least one adult who intentionally cares and wants yeah. to know about their life. That's the biggest change. Yeah, you can fill a room can, with as many people as you want, but it's whenever you fill small rooms with intentional right. discipleship and intentional leadership where that really takes off. Right. And I can say that for sure because this semester was one of the first times that my daughter, Maddie, mm-hmm. um, has consistently been a part of Student Sunday Night. And you know, her, she this was her first semester in mm-hmm. internship. But every Sunday when I picked her up, it was like the adult left off from the week before or the Wednesday night. And she's like, you know, Mom – Miss Jody or Pastor Hayden or, you know, Pastor Griff, mm. they stopped me and asked me about something that I had a conversation with a week ago. Mm. And for her, that's a big thing yeah. because they feel like they're seen. Yeah. And in today's society, it's hard to feel seen. Absolutely. I agree so, with that. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with what you're what you what Stephanie said about what you guys are doing and consistency is key. Mm. And so we've seen just a major change just in our household. That's awesome. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, it's very yeah. powerful what's going on on Sunday nights and even Wednesday nights with the internship and, and things like that. So very impressed yeah. with the student ministry here. Um, to switch gears a little bit, what about, can you tell us more about your journey like to becoming a pastor? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it's hard to say when it starts um, because I've, I've grown up in the church and um, I grew up serving at all of the events and things. Like I was, I, I worked every KOL. Like I was, I went to KY in fourth grade. KY is, in case you're listening to this podcast, and you don't know, KY was our fourth and fifth grade DMAO experience. It's a weekend um, camp. And whenever I was in fourth grade, I attended the first KY, and then fifth grade, I went to KY, and then they hadn't decided to set rules for who could volunteer yet and what kind of age gap there needed to be. So I volunteered in sixth grade, and I've been a part of just about every KY up and through the years for 10, 15 years almost. Um, so I was, a, I was, I loved serving, I loved being a part of it. My parents were really adamant about us taking ownership uh, by serving in the church, by serving and by giving were the ways that my parents always thought was that's how you take ownership of the place that you're at. Um, so I served throughout and whenever I was in high school, um, internship looked a little different than what it looks now. Um, again, if you're listening to this podcast, you're not sure what internship is. Mm-hmm. The Bayou Students Internship is a uh, discipleship pipeline where we, as students who want to take the next step in their faith, they can step in and they get intentional mentorship from uh, mentors who are living in the real world, not just pastors, not just ministers. Um, and we go through some sort of Bible plan, leadership plan, habit building plan. Um, but it looked a little different whenever I joined internship, whenever I was in high school. And my junior year of high school, I remember stopping our student pastor and saying, dude, I'm called to this. I need to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and he started giving me tools to start doing that. And he started elevating me to do things like that. And I very quickly realized that I wanted to lead in a church setting because I wanted to be on stage and because I wanted to be the guy. And I wanted everyone to go, oh, my gosh, we're so proud of him. He's the guy that did this. He's amazing. He's incredible and all these things. Um, and I realized that it was it was a selfish reason for wanting yeah. to do ministry. And one of the most dangerous places to be selfish is in ministry um, because you're representing something so much bigger than you. Mm-hmm. Um, and whenever I got to college my freshman year, 
I, I had what I call just like an identity meltdown. Uh, I had wrapped my identity up in this idea of being a minister, this idea of being in ministry full time. Um, and God pulled that dream from me. He stripped me of any passion for ministry. Wow. Um, so my freshman year of college, I went on a soul-searching journey. Um, I entered college as a graphic design major. I switched to a, um, it was like a communications degree, one of the 100 communications degrees. Uh, and then I decided that I didn't like communications, so I was going to do business. And I went into finance because I just felt like that was the hardest part of the business program. And I Golly, I hated finance. That was just not fun at all. Um, but I'd already accumulated so many credits, so I moved to marketing, which is just like the common ground sort of between communications and finance. I still take accounting classes, but I got to talk about selling products and things. Right. Um, so I ended up graduating in marketing. Uh, but before I graduate in my, my junior year, I get like a random text from Joe Wood, the BCM director. Okay, and he's yeah. like, hey, bro, I miss you. I haven't seen you in a minute. You want to come start hanging out? So I start, or maybe I'm my sophomore year. So I start hanging out at the BCM a little more, um, getting to know the people there and the guys there. And then that semester, he asked me if for the next year I would step up to be BCM president. Um, and my f- gut answer was, I'm not qualified, so not me. I'm somebody, I'm on my Jonah right now, you know, like yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I just have my season of running. I feel like I just got spit out of the whale. I'm not ready to walk up into Nineveh and make yeah. any difference. Um, so if there's someone else who's been putting in the work, to minister to Nineveh, pick them because I'm not <laughs> ready not yet. Um, and ironically, he was like, that's the answer that I wanted to hear. Um, so I was honored and blessed to serve as the BCM president for that year. Um, and through that year, Joe was just fundamental in building up my um, security, my because I was, I've battled insecurity my whole life, building up my security and realizing that it's not in myself, but it's in God because God's the security that you found in God never gets washed away um, but the security that we have in ourselves is gone with the night um, and he walked me through that and he he taught me a bunch of really foundational things um, and that was about the time when Griff moved from Covington to serve as our student pastor here so I started building a relationship with Griff because of my brother had gone on a mission trip with him and I felt like I needed to know that guy that was mentoring my brother <laughs> and we started building that relationship um, and slowly but surely God he humbled me and also called me to ministry at the same time. Wow. Um, so on my little Jonah spree, my Jonah streak, um, he he let me get all the way to Tarshish. Um, he let me get over there. Like I joined a fraternity. I had a season where I was in a fraternity. Um, and I just, I was living for me for a little while. Um, I had self-destructed parts of my relationship with Callie even. Like it mm-hmm. was just, I was on my way to Tarshish. Um, and he was able to pull me back, humble me. And now it is so freeing to live in ministry and doing ministry and getting to serve all the while knowing that like it is not me it is not right. on my shoulders needed that experience absolutely to be able to truly live out yeah it's not it's not me it's not about me it's not about the, right. the, the gifts that i have the skills that i have uh, it is it is about what god is doing and how god can work through me and how god can use me um, and the moment that you start putting yourself up like my, my first sermon that i ever preached was about being the light of the world i'll never forget it I broke a light bulb on stage because I was like, your light can shatter kind of thing. It was really cool. Um, I don't know. I don't think it was effective, but it was cool. Uh, my, my first sermon was on that, and I had this illustration of, like, we all want to be Rudy, right? The football player at the end of the, at the, end of the game lifted up, celebrated for being awesome, for doing right. something mm-hmm. awesome. But we're not Rudy. Jesus is Rudy, and we're just one of the linemen who are holding him up because we cannot elevate ourselves. Um, and I had to learn it the hard way. So 
my ministry journey has been a fun journey of being humbled. I learned that there's a reason that the root word of humiliation is humility, um, because it takes a lot of humiliation to truly understand just how loved we are by Jesus. That is such an amazing testimony, and I did not know that about you at all. So this has been fun learning about your journey and like what got you to where mm. you are, and it made you who you are. Yeah. So that is awesome. Yeah, I it's, love that. It's it's it really is a strange thing to look back and just be like, it is so clear the work that God did. Like, there's no debate. There, I, I'm not wondering like, oh well, maybe I just needed to learn these things or I did it. No, it is it was that was the Lord sharpening me and tuning me and and humbling me, and it was it's incredible to look back on it. That's amazing, Hayden, and I thank you for sharing that with yeah. us. That was awesome. Um, so what do you think now working with the students, what are some of maybe the challenges that you have, but also some of like the, the most rewarding moments that you have? Yeah. Um, I'd say one of the most challenging aspects of ministry is staying positive and hopeful when our students are beat up by the real world. It's hard. Um, we have a lot of students that come to us with very genuine problems and issues, and sometimes your heart can just break so dearly mm-hmm. and so deeply that I, I don't like, I don't I don't know how I'm supposed to be this voice of hope to you because these things are just so difficult. Right. Um, and especially like when we, we've had to learn that that the year has cycles in it, um, and students have cycles with them, and there will be there like every. Every October, there is going to be a wave of apathy because the students just don't care anymore. They're over school. They're counting down the days to Thanksgiving break. They're just, they're done. And we have to learn to work with that. So the hardest thing I think that I've seen at least is like, number one, dealing, number one, actually hearing the things that our students are going through. Right. Because it is just difficult. Right. Yeah. Just being present in those moments and listening to to where it's coming from because sometimes it's, mm. it's even disguised as oh my friend and I got in an argument but really it's something so much bigger yeah because one of the biggest myths that we can believe is that students aren't dealing with big problems exactly right. they are they are dealing with problems just as big as us and they might not be bills they might not be foreclosures they might not be you know right. divorces mm-hmm. but it truly is it's, yeah when a, when a seventh grader comes to you and says my world is falling apart it is. They it, it is falling yes. apart. And if you look at them and you say, well, no, it's not really that big of a deal, you lose all of your credit with them. You lose oh, yeah. all of your rep with them. Yeah. So being able to sit with them through their issues, letting your heart break for them is is difficult, but it's also like the most rewarding part of it because Absolutely. you get to you get to learn, you get to be close, you get to build these relationships. And the, what's really funny and I've learned about students is you could have the greatest wisdom. You could have Solomon whispering <laughs> in your ear, and it really won't matter that much sometimes. Like sometimes you give them wisdom and you're like, this is exactly what you should do. I've seen this happen. I've seen it portray. I know your exact situation. And you give them the wisdom and they just decide not to. Right. Yeah. And that's okay. <laughs> like, and that can be difficult too, though, because mm. like you said, for you, you've experienced it, you know, mm. and it's you're still trying to pour that into them and they're still just pushing back. Mm-hmm. Um, and they'll know so. they'll know your presence before they know your words a lot of the times. Right. Um, like they'll they'll know that we were there. Like yeah. I mentioned Joe in my testimony. Joe has given me so much advice. I don't even remember anymore because it went in one ear and out one ear, but he never right. stopped. He yep. never was like, this guy's not going to listen to me. He's not worth my time. 
um, and making sure that students know that they are worth our time is just so crucial. It is so important. Um, and they are. And I, I hear a lot of people talk about strategy and ministry and how do you, how do you correctly engage and build relationships with your students. And it's just like what Paul said, if love isn't there, right? if you don't love your students, mm-hmm. I don't care how strategic you are. I don't care how good of a sermon you preach. I don't care how good of a programming system that you've developed. If you don't have a deep love and care for your students, it doesn't matter. The loving shepherd is better than the skilled shepherd, I think, every day. Like they're, when you love these students, they feel it. Because they can tell when the world loves them, and they can tell when the world just wants to use them and wants to put them up somewhere. Right. And, yeah. and we have to be the first ones to step in and say, I see your mess for what it is, and I love you regardless. Yeah. That's beautiful. I love that. It's so, it's so fun, but it's so difficult. It's so difficult. I could see that. I could see that both sides there, how challenging it is, but also how rewarding it can mm. be. Because you're right. They, it's a big world. It's a big world, and they're, in a, they're, you know, the students that you deal with, they're in a very difficult stage of life. Mm-hmm. They're physically changing. They're mentally changing. They're learning more about the world. It's already difficult enough. And then you add in the world on top of that, and it's 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 big, and it's heavy. Mm-hmm. So And it's one of the one of the fun challenges is that every student is in a different stage of life because a sixth grader is going to come up to you and they're going to say that their friend isn't talking to them anymore and it's the end of the world mm-hmm. and then a high schooler is going to come up to you at a senior in high school and he's going to go i think i want to go to ou and leave my family and i don't know what that means and i'm really terrified of that it's right. completely different issues yeah. but you have to but take each all, with the same they're way. all big like yeah. you said they're because it's if it's big world. to them it has to be big to us exactly if it's big to them it has to be big to us yeah you can't blow off the sixth grader and say well this guy's making a, a decision that's going to change his whole trajectory yeah. of yeah. life but because what are they what do they hear there exactly. they go, he doesn't care he doesn't love exactly. me enough to spend the time with me yeah i feel like too that's like at our house um you know i have bentley and evelyn so little and they can just be falling apart over something that we would just laugh off and roll our eyes at, right? But it's like, um, I tell people like, if we can't, even if it really is kind of small, if we can't help them deal with the small problems, how, what are we gonna do mm-hmm. when there's real, real big problems? How are we gonna handle that? Because mm-hmm. someone's just pushing you off being like, that's not a big deal, you know? It's like, they're not learning any skills. They're not getting any help, um, so. So even if it is a small problem and you're like, well, but it's big to them, helping them through that helps them deal with bigger problems mm-hmm. later in and life. You're, and you're getting reps with them. Mm-hmm. You're, if you are able to be there for, for Bentley and in the little tiny things, then when he gets older, he will know mom was there for me in the small things, so now mm-hmm. she'll be there for me in the exactly. big things. Right. Exactly. I agree with that. In order 100%. to get that 18-year-old to come to you and say, I'm having a panic attack because I don't know what to do for college, you also had to be there for them for the past five years. Right. In their breakups, in their seas that they feel like it's the end of the world every time. Like you have to be there for them in the smaller things that you're like, well, dude, just brush it off. It's fine. And if you're there, you show them that you care. You show them that, okay, if it matters to you, I want it to matter to me. When you get to the end, you've built the rep. You've built that. And even we see it with college students reaching back out and, and us seeing them way after. And it'll be someone who we, we might assume like, oh, man, we just we struggled to reach that one. Like. Maybe they'll hear it one day, you know. They know the things that we've said. They know the proof that we've laid out there. And so many times we'll hear back from students that 
we've kind of assumed, man, I just, I guess I just didn't break through to that one. And then they'll call us back in four or five years and be like, I just want you to know that like you were there for me when no one else was. And because of that, like, I have a hope, I have a faith, I have a, a, a confidence in promises. Um, and it is, it's huge because you don't, you don't realize the reach that you, you have. Yeah, that's awesome that you guys get to hear back from people like it's that. It's really cool. That and we, one awesome. of my favorite things is having students come back to serve. That is, the, that is the biggest win that we could ever see when we have students graduate and go, okay, now where can I start serving? And it's like, take these sixth graders and do what we did and let's keep mm-hmm. going. Like, yeah, let's keep let's this. Let's keep this system. You build someone up to then fill your spot. Like, that's the vision. That's the goal. That's, that's Jesus' model of ministries. That's our model of ministry. And I love how a lot of times their small group leader kind of follows them. Yeah, or that's not, intentional. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. they just move right along up with them. Yeah, I don't know if I'm explaining that. No, yeah, correctly. That's, that's intentional. We um we our structure of small group leaders is not. We don't have a eighth grade small group leader and a junior sophomore a junior small group leader. We have, um, for instance, our our current eleventh and twelfth grade boys is led by uh, Hunter Frame and Sagan Exil. Um, and I was with them for a little while, but they're the two that have been holding it down. And when we started that small group, it was eighth and ninth grade boys. So we're now four years in, and they're eleventh and twelfth grade. And what I've been talking about, like we're literally seeing it there, where students are like, "I'm having a panic attack because I've got to decide tomorrow what major I'm going to do, what college I'm going to go to." And they're only willing to talk to us about it because in ninth grade we were there whenever it he was had a breakup and it was the end yeah. of his life. And I was like, "Dude, it's." I wanted to say, dude, it's not that big of a deal. You're right. gonna have a hundred breakups before you find anything that works. Like it's, it's gonna happen. That's just life. That's the way that it works. But if we brush them off there, we won't get these opportunities mm-hmm. later. Mm-hmm. No, I agree with that. Agree with that. So, anything else that we should be looking forward to with the student ministry coming up? Anything that you're excited to to share? Anything new going on? I don't know. I'm. I think that. I think. Going forward, we're just our our ministry machine is becoming more fine tuned, more well oiled. We're able to um, discern what's working and what's not working, and we've had enough time. And especially like the everyone else doesn't really see the effects of COVID anymore, um, but in ministry, it is so evident. It is so there. You see it. Um, you can see it in the like the brain functions of our freshmen now. You can see that. Wow. COVID had an effect and COVID's there and we're finally hitting a stride where COVID is like fully in the rearview mirror. Right. Um, and we've got like a year under our rep back to normal. Um, and I just think each year as we keep going, it's just going to be more fine tuned and more well oiled. And we're going to pull out the things that don't work and we're going to add in the things that do work. And there's always going to be a trial and error. Um, but like we're shifting the way that we do our, um, like our volunteer gatherings because we found that some of the things that we've been doing isn't working. We want it to be more worth our volunteers time. So we're, we're deciding to shift some of those things around um, and then restructure the way that we do volunteer recruitment, volunteer training, uh, being more intentional about training our volunteers and helping them to understand this big picture that we've been talking about. Um, I think what I'm most looking forward to next year um, is just furthering that cohesiveness within our team. Uh, We have, We've got the reps in. We've got the time together. Um, like Griff and I are able to share a lot more of the load now because I'm, I feel like I've, I've gotten my my training to step into this role. Um, we've like we tried to do a uh, like a D now style weekend. It was one of one of my favorite ministry stories thus far. We tried to do a D now style weekend 
um, because we had some students asking for it and we felt like we had the capacity for it and all these things. Um, so we planned it out, we got it all ready to go and then we pushed it out and the first three weeks of advertising our Dean out weekend, we had three students sign up. 150 wow. average on Sunday nights. We had three wow. students sign up for our Dean out weekend. So we were like, okay, yep. that's not something that they want and that's not something that will work. So there's no shame, but we, we pull it out and we just keep rolling. Um, but I'm just I'm just excited for this next year. We've got a lot of students who um, have really taken ownership of our ministry, um, who really feel like this is something that they have poured into. That when a student, I heard it said it. We went to Orange Conference. Orange is a curriculum that a lot of our ministries use. They're based out of Atlanta. Um, and at Orange Conference, there's this girl talking about how if you go in the Nike app and you pull up like a sneaker, there's Nike for you. Nike made by you and you can adjust the colors on the Nike shoe. You can swap out the tongue on the shoe. You can swap out the laces on the shoe. You can fully customize the Nike shoe. Wow. And she's like, well, that's because Nike believes in the people that are using their app to help their visions come to life. Oh, okay. And her connect there was so cool because if she was saying, if we look at a corporation that is a for-profit corporation that I don't want to be rude to Nike or anything, does not care about the average eighth grader mm-hmm. right but nike is still setting up those eighth graders to live out their purpose and live out their vision and, and adjust these things so how can the church also do that how the whole right. world is saying i want you to be a part of this creative process how can we as a student ministry and really as a church invite students in behind the scenes um, so we've got some awesome creative students who are going to help us design some um, sermon graphics next year and start to live out their their vision, live out their calling, live out their skills because these students have skills. I don't believe in playing uh, checkers with students and putting warm bodies in certain spots. I believe in playing chess with students and every student has different skills and different abilities and we need to utilize those things. So I think going forward, our student ministry is just, it's going to become more and more efficient um, because we have a, we have an unbiased team that is able to look at the attendance numbers that we have, the analytics that we have, the numbers that we have, whatever. And numbers aren't number one, right? But numbers do help tell a story. Um, and the story that we're seeing is what needs to be reinforced and what needs to be removed. And it, we're just going to get more efficient. We're just going to learn more. Um, we're just going to keep moving forward. We're just going to admit whenever we get things wrong. Um, and we're just going to keep keep loving and keep pushing forward. That is awesome, Hayden. Well, you guys are, you, your team, you're doing a fantastic job. You're very popular here with the kids. They just love hanging out with you, doing like, uh, what is it? You guys have like secret handshakes and stuff like that. You guys they do. They think we and, do, I think. I think oh, Aubrey okay, thinks yeah. we have a secret handshake. You're like, and I'm I just, just like this. flop it out there and, and see just if she. Just kind of go with whatever she's doing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's awesome. Just, yeah. yeah. I'm like, yeah, there was a secret handshake. Audrey, good job. Yeah, yeah. Don't let her listen to this podcast. <laughs> she probably will. Okay, she good. probably will. Yeah. Sorry, Audrey. We definitely have a secret handshake. <laughs> yeah. I, you know it. I don't know it. Um, <laughs> just poor memory that's all that's yeah. all it is um but yeah no you guys are doing an awesome job we love having the leaders here in place that we have and um we just we know you're busy so we thank you like seriously so much for taking out your time out of the day to speak with us and answer our questions so we can learn more about you and your journey here so we really appreciate it of course yeah it's a it's a pleasure um when i got your email i didn't respond to it for two weeks but i've been excited <laughs> about it immediately yeah. um, I really was. I really I love I love what you guys are doing. I love this opportunity to to hear voices from our staff that we don't often hear about personal lives, about um, you know, just the things that make us tick, the things that make us roll and 
our passions. When we can get our passions out there, uh, our passions will bleed to other people and they'll hear it and they'll be excited about it. Absolutely. I hope that people are like with each interview able to resonate with that Mm -hmm. somehow. And yeah, we can learn more about the staff and the members, the volunteers here and what's making this whole thing run. So anyway, well, so thank you so much. We really appreciate it. For your time. We appreciate it. Don't forget to check out our Facebook page. We have a giveaway going on right now, or we'd love to hear from you as well. We look forward to hearing from you. You can send us a message on Facebook, shoot us an email, or you can find us on any Sunday morning behind the counter.